Well, we're turning again to Luke's Gospel tonight. We're turning to chapter 18 this evening. The Gospel of Luke and the 18th chapter. <coughs> the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and we're going to go down to the verse 9. And I just want to read this short portion of Scripture from verse 9 down to verse 14. Dealing here with one of the parables that the Lord told. Luke chapter 18 and the verse 9. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So immediately there in verse 9, we're given the reason and the meaning of this parable. So what we're about to read is all going to bounce back to this foundation in verse 9. The Lord here is saying that there are some people who are full of self-righteousness, and that's what he's trying to get at here. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Amen, and we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Let's just bow together in a brief word of prayer. Father, we do thank thee again tonight, even for thy precious word, and to come tonight, the very words of the Saviour himself. We pray, Lord, that as we come to look at this parable this evening, that, Lord, thou would write the truth of it upon every heart. May the light of heaven fall upon the page of thy word. May the Spirit of God come and take that word and mix it with faith, even in the hearts of each and every one of us. And oh, that tonight, Lord, thou would come and anoint us with the very Spirit and the power of God. And oh, that tonight thy word would be effectual the very salvation of sinners, and Lord, to the glory of thy name, for we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. On two occasions in the book of Proverbs, the Bible declares that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In other words, there's the way that man thinks is right, but the Lord says even though man thinks it's right, it will result in death. And then in the prophecy of Isaiah, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now those two statements from Holy Writ, they very vividly illustrate in the story that the Lord Jesus Christ himself told the truth here that he's trying to portray. The Lord Jesus tells the story of two men and they're both going up to the temple. They're both going up to pray. The first of these men is a Pharisee. Now, Pharisee is a very upright, respectable, very moral living and a very religious man. The other man is a publican. But don't think of the word publican as we would think of today as somebody who own, owns a pub. A publican in those days was a tax collector. And you find that he was a Jew that was working on behalf of the Romans, who, of course, were the masters of Israel 
and the conquerors of the Jews in the days of Christ. And these publicans, they were despised by their own fellow countrymen, the Jews. And they're also despised by the Romans as well. And the reason why they were despised was because they had a reputation. They were renowned for being dishonest. You see, in fact, many of them were corrupt in their practices. And when they went along to collect the taxes from the people, they used the authority of their Roman taskmasters to exact money that was not due to them. So whatever the tax would be, they would add more to it and they would pocket the difference between the two. And so they were very, very unpopular men indeed in their day. And they were certainly not examples in society. Now we're told here in this parable that both of these men prayed before God. The first prayer by the Pharisee on the surface was a very respectable and a very nice sounding prayer. And I'll tell you that there are many people across the world tonight and if they prayed like that Pharisee, they'd be very satisfied with themselves at being able to pray like that Pharisee. He told God who he was. He told God what he did. And he emphasized to God the, the wicked things that he did not do. And so the prayer was very respectable and it was very religious on the surface and it was acceptable in the eyes of many men. And then the other man prayed. The Bible says in verse 13, standing afar off. In other words, he wouldn't even come and stand beside the Pharisee. He would have been looked down upon by the Pharisee as being an evil man. And he was far away from being accepted as a respectable member of society. And he was far away from God as well. And there's no doubt when you read this passage of scripture that he was a man who has been far, far away from the Lord. And as he stood afar off, hardly venturing into the temple at all, he bows his head and would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me a sinner. Now at the end of these two prayer sessions, if you were to do a bit of a survey, and you were to ask multitudes of people in the world tonight to pass a verdict upon the prayers of these two men, if you'd ask them which of these two men was nearer to the Lord, which of these two men had a greater chance of reaching heaven, I guarantee you that multitudes would pick the first man as being the right man, the Pharisee. Because he had religion. He had respectability in society. He also had many good works to lift up and exalt. And these things are highly prized. Right across the earth tonight, in the minds of many, many men and women, regarding religion and regarding their acceptance before God, and their prime objectives are the objectives that that Pharisee had. Whereas the other man, he had none of those things. He certainly was not a religious man. He was very much ill at ease in the temple, and you find that as though, when you read this passage of scripture, it's as though he wasn't there too often. And I believe he wouldn't have been there too often, even though he was a Jew. He was not respectable in society. And most certainly, in contrast to the Pharisee, he was not someone who would have been renowned for good works. He was known 
for his wickedness and his dishonesty. But there is something, dear friends, that we ought to know, we ought to learn, and we ought to inwardly digest. And it is this. In the final analysis, it is not what we think about ourselves. In the final analysis, it's not even what other people think about us. What is all important is what does the Lord think about us? Because the Lord will one day stand as the judge of all the earth and he will determine the eternal destiny of each and every one of us. Who will enter into the very golden streets of heaven? And who will be lost even to a sinner's hell? And so all that really matters is what does God think about us and what is our standing before him? And when God weighs up these two men, we don't have to guess. We don't have to debate who was right and who was wrong because the Lord Jesus Christ in giving us this parable, he then gives us the verdict that is passed upon these two men. He says of the publican in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Only one of these two men was justified in the sight of God. And amazingly for some, it was not the Pharisee. It was not the respectable religious man. Instead, it was the man who was the outcast of society. It was the man who was looked down upon by many in society. And that gives proof to what we have just said. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God's thoughts and God's ways and not necessarily our thoughts and our ways. And the majority of people would have picked that Pharisee. Look at him in the temple. Listen to him pray. Look how upright a man he is. Look indeed at all the good works that he does. But that man was not accepted. That man was not justified. But rather the man who was the outcast of society was the one who was accepted and justified before the Lord. And so tonight I simply want us to look at the story of these two men. These two men who came into the temple, came into church as we would say. And I want to look with you at how they left church. One went home justified before God. The other one went home condemned by God. And it doesn't make you wonder tonight. How are you going to leave this church meeting this evening? What will be your spiritual condition? What will be the verdict of God himself upon you tonight when this meeting comes to a close? Well, let's look at the story of these two men and see how they left church. First of all, we have a description of these men. In verse 10, we read, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. So here's the Lord telling this parable. He identifies these two men. He tells us who they are. One's a Pharisee, the other's a publican. And when we look at these two men, we see two totally different men. They were at the opposite ends of society as far as their occupation and as far as their reputation were concerned. Notice the Pharisee, he lived a very respectable life. The Pharisee was someone, as I've said, who was noted for his religion. He would have kept the law of God. He was considered to be a religious leader. He was considered to be a teacher and a model citizen in society. 
And the name Pharisee seems to mean separated one. And it spoke of how these men separated themselves from ordinary life in order to study the law and to interpret the law. And they controlled the synagogues, that is the Jewish churches. And they exercised great influence and great control over the people. And from a Jewish perspective, the Pharisees were revered and they were admired. And as you read the Gospels, you find that they were relentless in their criticism and their persecution of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was here in the flesh. However, in the eyes of Jewish people, they were moral and they were the spiritual examples of the day. They had a name. They had power. They had indeed a status that most in Jewish society could only dream about. And these were the people that were looked up to, that were hold, held in the highest esteem. And the Pharisee reminds me tonight of the person who's a model citizen in the community. He represents the person who lives a moral, a clean and an upright life. The person who would be able to stand up here tonight and say, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't use bad language. I go to church on a Sunday. What an upright man he was. And as far as other men were concerned, this man was an example to be followed. And one of the problems with society today is that we don't have more morally upright people. As we look at the immorality that is prevalent in the land, as we look at the immorality that is even being brought in by legislation from government, from the very Prime Minister himself, it's a great shame that we don't have more morally upright people, even in society today. And in fact, how many people in society, if they were to compare themselves today to this man, would fall far short of the example that he sets? The Pharisee lived a respectable life. But on the other hand, there was another man, the publican. And if the Pharisee lived a respectable life, you find that the publican, he lived a reprehensible life. There was no one in all of Israel that was more despised, more hated, more ostracized than these tax collectors. As I said earlier, this man was a Jewish tax collector. He would have done the Romans dirty work. He would have collected taxes from his own people on behalf of the Romans. And so because he's working for the enemy, people looked upon him as a traitor and they despised him. And moreover, they were known, they were renowned in Bible times for being dishonest when it came to collecting taxes. They were the ones you see who would come into your home and they would determine how much tax you would pay based on how much you earned and how much money you had and how much land you had and so forth. And many of the tax collectors were greedy men. And although they knew what you should pay according to Roman law, they would indeed charge people far more money so that they could keep that extra money for themselves. And as a result of all this, tax collectors were not liked, they didn't have many friends and very few people would visit them, let alone invite them into their homes. And everything in this story would suggest that this man was not an exception to the rule. He, like so many in his profession, he robbed and he plundered. He cheated and he conned. 
He stole and he lied. And you find that he reminds us of those in society today who don't live like the Pharisee, moral and upright, but those indeed who live in society and they live more like the devil. They're the ones whom parents do not want their children to grow up and be like. And so when you look at these two men, there's no doubt when you look at the description of these men that the Pharisee was a very respectable man in society and the publican was indeed someone who was abhorred. But not only do we have here a description of these men, but also I want you to notice the difference in the prayers of these two men. We find both of these men going to church. That is, they went up to the temple. And we find both of them praying. Now, just as they were completely different to one another in their public lives, they were also different in how they prayed. You see, just as they were on opposite ends when it came to who they were, they were also at opposite ends when it came to how they prayed. Let's listen, first of all, to the prayer of the Pharisee. And we find him and he's bragging in prayer. That's what he's doing. What pride there was in this Pharisee. And when it comes to bragging, the Pharisees were one of the best. In fact, his prayers really not much more than just a personal bragging session in front of everybody else. And the Bible brings out this fact, I think, very interestingly. When you look at the wording of verse 11, you can find here, the verdict of the Holy Ghost upon this man's prayer. Because in verse 11, when the Holy Ghost records this incident, he says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. With himself. And notice those two words. In other words, he wasn't talking to God in prayer. The Lord wasn't listening. Here he was bragging about himself. He was merely just talking to himself. God wasn't listening. One Greek scholar, Dr. Robertson, described his prayer as a complacent recital of his own virtues for his own self-satisfaction and not fellowship with God. And just listen for yourself to what he pretends to pray in verses 11 and 12. And that's all this is. It's a pretend prayer. He was no doubt praying out loud because he wanted everyone to hear him. He wanted everyone to praise him for what he was saying. And he prays, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And here's a man who found it hard to be humble. You ever met anyone in life like that? They find it hard to be humble? Well, that was him. You can just imagine this man singing to himself, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I'm looking better every day. That would have been the motto of this Pharisee. And when you listen to him bragging in verse 11, notice he's bragging not about what he is, but about what he is not. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like the crooks and the devils and the adulterers running around here. And you see that publican that's just come in behind me standing over there. I thank God that I'm not like him. So he brags about what he isn't. You know, some people that's all they can do in life is tell you what they aren't. 
reminds me actually of a story about a preacher that was like that once. There was a preacher in a particular church and every time when he was talking about a Christian, he used to have this big list, you know, Christians don't drink and they don't smoke and they don't swear and they don't dance. And he went down all this list. And this is all he ever preached week after week about what Christians don't do. And there was a farmer in the congregation and he invited the minister to come along to his home for lunch one Sunday afternoon. And after lunch, he said, he said to the minister, he said, I want you to come out, he said, uh, into the barn. I want you to meet my donkey. And the minister thought, this is a bit weird. So out they go and they, they, he brings him into the barn and there's the donkey standing there. And the, and the farmer says to him, I want you to meet my donkey. He's a good Christian. The minister looked at him and said, don't be daft. He said, a donkey can't be a Christian. He says, well, he is by your description. He doesn't drink. He doesn't dance. He doesn't gamble. Doesn't use bad language. And that's what some people are like today. It's all what they're not. And that's what this man was doing. He was bragging all the time about what he wasn't. And then, of course, he also brags about the few things he's done. He bragged about how he fasted twice in a week. Now, Jewish law only required one fast. And that was on the Day of Atonement. But not this fine specimen of a man. He fasted twice a week. And he never did it in secret as the Lord himself preached when he was here. But he made sure that everybody in society knew that he fasted twice in the week. But you know, fasting, when it comes to it, the problem with it is it's to be done in secret so that God alone can see it and not in the sight of man. I mean, the, the Lord himself said in Matthew 6, he said, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, <clears throat> but unto thy Father which is in secret. And then here's the key. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. In other words, the Lord was teaching, whenever you're fasting, don't go bragging to everybody. Look at me, I'm a great Christian and I'm fasting. He says, do it in secret and don't let anyone else know you're doing it. And then the Lord which seeth in secret will reward thee openly. You see, when you do it in secret, the Lord knows you're doing it then as unto him. You're not doing it for the praise of men because if you do it publicly, you've already got your reward. But there was nothing done in secret by the Pharisee. He bragged about his fasting. He bragged about how he tithed all that he possessed. This man not only gave what the law required, but he gave even more. But again, it was all done in the sight of men. And it was all done for the praise of men. It wasn't done as unto the Lord. So here's a man who's working his way to heaven. And here's a man who's buying his way to heaven. That sums up what he is. Such was his pride. Remember how this... But passage begun in verse 9. The Lord spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And that's what this Pharisee was. Look at me and how good I am. Look at the life I live. Look at all the terrible sins I don't commit. I'm far better than all these other immoral wretches around me. And what's the bottom line? I don't need salvation. I don't need Christ because I'm too good on my own. That's the attitude of this man. He was bragging in prayer. But you know, when you come to look at the publican, instead of him standing right up in front for everyone to see, he's praying in the background. 
And verse 13, and the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. What a contrast to the, the prayer of the Pharisee. This publican stood in the background. Why? Because he didn't want to be seen of men. Whereas the Pharisee, he stood right at the very forefront so that everyone could see him and everyone could hear him. And the Pharisee proudly lifted up his eyes toward heaven. He was almost looking God in the eyes to say, get ready, I'm coming, I'm good enough. But when it came indeed to this other man, he was so different. You see, he was so full of shame. He felt so unworthy in the presence of God that he wouldn't even lift up his eyes heavenward. Instead, he kept beating on his chest as if he was so sick of himself, so despairing of all that he was and all that he'd done. One man's proud of himself. The other man's sick of himself. What a contrast in the two. And the Pharisee bragged about who he was and all that he'd done. But what does the, what does the publican cry out? God be merciful to me, a sinner. And in the original, that can be translated as God be merciful to me, the sinner. The sinner. In other words, it's not just that he knew he was a sinner, but he felt that he was the very worst of sinners. So you have here then a description of these men. You have a difference in the prayers of these men. And now let's notice the departure of these two men. When the Lord Jesus finished telling the story, he described these two men leaving and going to their houses. They both left the temple. They both went home. But just as they were different in who they were and how they prayed, they also went home differently. The Lord says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. That is the publican. The Lord says, I'm telling you, this is the very verdict of God. The publican went down to his house justified rather than the other. That is the Pharisee. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. In other words, put down. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted or lifted up. And let's leave with these two men and pay careful attention as to how they left church. Now notice, first of all, the Pharisee. He's going home. Rejected by God. We're told the purpose in verse 9 of this parable. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So this Pharisee is an example of someone who thought they were just good enough. There's no sin in their life that they needed to worry about. It's very clear in what the Lord said that this Pharisee went home as a lost soul. Yes, he was religious. He was very, very religious, but he went home a lost soul. Why? Because he was trusting in himself. He was trusting in what he'd done. He didn't need the Lord. He was trusting in his own righteousness. And that word trusted in verse 9 can be translated as convinced. The Pharisee had convinced himself that he was righteous because of the way that he lived and the things that he did. And that's the problem with many, many people in society today. There are so many that are trusting in their religion and their good works to get them to heaven. I've met people, I've gone round the doors, and when you put the question to people, and you simply ask them and say, tell me this, are you saved? Do you know what response I get most of the time in Northern Ireland? 
I've got my wee minister and I've got my wee church. They've got religion. They've got works. But they don't have Christ. They're not trusting in Christ as their saviour from sin. Because in their eyes, they're self-righteous enough. They've got no sin. Or at least, if they do admit they have sin, as far as they're concerned, all these good works I'm doing, and this good life I'm living, that's going to, out, that's going to outweigh any small sins that I may have in my life. And then when society looks at them, they see a very moral, they see a very upright person, someone who's to be commended as a good example to society. But as I said earlier, it's not what we think of ourselves that will get us into heaven. It's not even what other people think about us that will open or close the door to heaven. It only matters what the Lord thinks about us because he is the judge of all the earth and he alone will determine our final destiny. And the question is tonight, what are you trusting in? For the eternal security of your soul. You were created in the image of God. God put within you an immortal soul that will exist beyond the grave. And the question is, where will that soul be in eternity? What are you trusting in to get your soul into heaven? Are you trusting in the fact that you're a free Presbyterian? Are you trusting in the fact that you're sitting in church twice every Sunday, that you're tithing, that you read your Bible and you pray? Because that will not do it. The only thing that will get you into heaven is the salvation that was purchased by Christ when he took our sins and his body to the tree and he died at Calvary. It doesn't matter about anything else. No amount of good works and it doesn't matter how morally upright you are. While we indeed plead with people and preach that everyone should live a morally upright life. But that alone is not enough. Otherwise, if you were able to save yourself, why would Christ have bothered to come and to be born and to die upon that cruel cross? Don't you think if we could get saved by ourselves, the Lord would have been a fool to send his only son into this world to die for us. But he sent his son into the world to die for us and to die a cruel death because there was no other way. We couldn't save ourselves. Oh yes, there's a way that seems right unto a man. There's a way whereby we think will be acceptable. But the end thereof are the very ways of death. But the way of life is Christ. He that hath the Son hath life, the Bible says. But he that hath not the Son of God shall not see life, but the very wrath of God abideth on him. And here's this Pharisee, and he's trusting in himself and his own righteousness. When the Bible tells us, but we're all as an unclean thing. All of our righteousness, in other words, us at our best, us at our holiest without Christ, is as filthy rags. And then we're told in the New Testament very clearly and unambiguously, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. There's the verse the Pharisee needed. <coughs> you can't save yourself. 
It is the gift of God. And then listen to this. Not of works, lest any man should boast. If you and I could work our way into heaven, then we could walk down the streets of heaven, banging our chest saying, what a good boy am I. Look at the great work that I did. Look at the great life that I lived. No. Instead, when we get to heaven, it'll be we're there by grace, by the mercy of God. We've got what we can't deserve. We've got what we can never earn. No one will ever be able to boast about the salvation that they have and they can never earn it. I think the best example of that is old John Wesley. One biographer on Wesley said, He seemed to live many lives in one and each life was of an amazing fullness. Wesley preached more sermons, travelled more miles, published more books, wrote more letters, built more churches, waged more controversies and influenced more lives than any other man in English history. And for many years, Wesley preached and then served as a missionary. But listen to this. At that time in his life, he wasn't saved. For years, he trusted in his religious deeds. He was a minister and he was a missionary, but he was not converted. But one day, while traveling back to England, after he'd served as a a missionary to the American Red Indians, he acknowledged that he still had not found peace with God, despite all that he'd done. And he came back to England a defeated man. He was 35 years of age. He was depressed and he was discouraged. But then on the 24th of May, he opened his Bible and he read the words, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And he prayed, O God, that I would know that I'm in the kingdom. And that night he went to a meeting and for the first time in his life, He realized that there was nothing for him to do because Christ had already done everything to save him. And then the very peace of God flooded his soul. And you know, friend, if you're trusting in yourself and your good life and your respectability, then tonight you'll leave this meeting in the same condition the Pharisee did. But on the other hand, look at the publican. If the Pharisee went home rejected by God, you find that the the publican went home righteous before God. <clears throat> the Lord says in verse 14 that the publican went down to his house justified. And that word justified means innocent. The man who had walked into church, feeling that he was the worst sinner that ever walked upon the face of the earth, he left church and went home that night justified. Why? Because he recognized he was a sinner. He didn't even attempt to come to God trying to feel that he was worthy and that he deserved anything. He didn't even attempt that. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he was unworthy. He knew he didn't deserve anything except judgment. And a person will never get saved until, first of all, they see themselves as a sinner in the sight of God. Have you ever seen that in your own life? Has there ever been a time and a point in your life where you realized that you were a lost sinner outside of Christ and nothing that you did, nothing your family did, nothing your parents did would be enough to save you? He admitted that he was a sinner and then he admitted that he could not save himself. You know, the Pharisee thought that his good life and his good deeds could make him acceptable to the Lord, but the the publican, he had nothing to offer the Lord and he knew it. Not a thing. And then he realized not only that he was a sinner and he could not save himself, but then he realized he needed a savior.
And that's why he cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that word merciful in the original means to atone. He was pleading for the blood to make atonement for his sins. The only way to heaven is by the sacrificial death and the shed blood of the Lamb of God. As the hymn writer puts it, I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. And it's the cross that makes the difference. It's the blood that atones for our sins. We'll never ever be acceptable in and of ourselves. That's what this whole parable was written for. No matter how good an upbringing and how good a life you've lived, it's not enough. You've got all these things to be admired by society, but you're lacking one thing if you're not saved. You don't have Christ. And you haven't been cleansed in the precious blood. And so, oh, that tonight you would come and you would look at this passage of Scripture and then ask yourself the question tonight, how are you going to leave this church service? Are you going to leave like the Pharisee? Or are you going to leave like the publican? Oh, that tonight you'll leave with Christ in your heart for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, we thank thee indeed even for this passage of scripture tonight. And we thank thee, Lord, for this very clear parable that fell even from the very lips of the Saviour himself. And tonight, Lord, we do pray that thou would help each and every one of us to make our calling and our election sure. And Lord, if there's one here tonight that has not that assurance of salvation, then oh, before they leave this church tonight, they would bow the knee in repentance and faith and accept thee as thou art as the only Saviour from our sins, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.